You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I have a great, fun one. A person that I, you know, saw and looked up to my entire childhood on the Cinemark, just in a in a different way, because you were always on the 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 the, 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 the commercials before the the movie. Um, the founder and CEO of Zydex Computers and PC Laptops, Mr. Dan Young. Dan, hello. Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, dude. You just posted a uh, video. I think it was today of a 2001 ad. Oh, that was a long time you, ago. When you kick them, kick kick someone in the between the legs. Yeah. Dude, I remember that uh, ad. Yeah. <laughs> and dude, I'm not, I was going to comment and be like, dude, my whole childhood of going to a movie, but my entire childhood going to movies, you were on all of the kicking the, people in the groin. Exactly. You know, exactly. You were, you were, a, you were on the big screen. Then you have to be in Hollywood. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, but today I'm really excited um, to have this uh, second conversation. Last time the, the podcast got all messed up and it just didn't work out. So oh. we're back, back in the new studio. And just very excited to have you on. It really means a lot. I know you're very, very busy and just you guys are doing doing really well. And it's cool to to see everything that you're doing. And I want to hear, you know, get into your story. You got a really interesting story about hustling. And then we can get into, you know, building Zydax and building PC laptops and what they are today and the staple they are in an uber competitive market. You've made yourself just crushing the game. So, yeah, um, yeah let's get, get into your story. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in L.A., you know, rowdy teenager. Uh, immigrant parents, very poor on food stamps when I was a kid, you know. A first sales endeavor was selling uh, t-shirts and sunglasses in Venice Beach. And uh, nice. we'd get like super hot chicks from school. I was in high school, right? And um, we'd have them roll around on roller skates and go up to people, hey, need some sunglasses, $10 or two for 15. Right. And we would crank it. Sometimes we'd make a thousand a day, you know, and then um, take that money. Buy a few drinks, some lunch, hang out with the girls and friends and hang out at the beach. Sounds like a good time. Suntan, you know? <laughs> right. So that was the first endeavor. Um, then I became a rowdy teenager, came to Utah and uh, sold stuff at the swap meet. Mm-hmm. Noon chucks, brass knuckles, weird stuff. And then got a job in the mall at Radio Shack. Okay. Uh, so I do I definitely remember Radio Shack. I don't know Radio where Shack. one, if, are they still, still around? No, not really. No. Maybe a little bit. Okay. Online or something. So then did that and then um, sold computers at a retail electronics, like a Best Buy type of store. Um, and that company went out of business. And so this is how I made my break is I asked my manager, can I have a list of all the customers I sold computers to? So I took that list, cold, called all those customers and, uh, and told them I'd honor their warranty, right? On their computers. Right. So the first year I lost over 25 grand and the next year we did over a million in rev. Wow. That was Wow, it's a launch. Yeah, that that's that's nuts, man. That's uh, that's crazy. And just hustling, grinding it out. Um, we, you know, I know kind of your story. When you're at Radio Shack, you ran into someone that majorly impacted your life. Yeah. Um, it, it, on the show, we always talk about a mentor. How important was that guy? That multiple mentors into? through the years, you know, and and really nothing that I've really done is super original. Um, it was just knowledge passed down and executed. Right. Um. I'm not some massive inventor. I'm just an executor. Right. Which is, I mean, it's important for people to do because, 
Because at the end of the day, like that, that is actually, you know, a, a good thing because you don't have an ego. Like, I know, I know you don't have an ego. You just do. Right. Like if someone tells well, you to do something, we all have a little ego, well, a little ego. Like, I mean, you can be proud. Right. But like you were, you know, wealth of knowledge or a wealth of you know information. You're just trying to learn everything you possibly can and just execute with excellence. Right. There's a lot of people out there that are too prideful, too much of an ego, too anything to let other people tell them what to do. And they don't want to listen. Right. And they don't want to execute. If someone says, hey, go here. They're like, oh, no, I, you know, I can do better. Well, hey, your guy's been telling you to do whatever. And he's got years of experience. Why don't you just do what he does? Maybe you can put a little different flavor on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that any, you know, you're the only laptop company or PC company that is kicking people in the groin. So that was maybe your own flavor on it, right? A little bit. But at the end of the day, like, you know, executing, which is great because your personality, um, which I think you've done a great job at of really becoming like the face of the company and like everybody really buying into you. Um, I feel like that's really, really good. It's something that I even want to learn is, you know, how to get more more of that. You're doing it now. Um, yeah, I mean, true. Yeah, I got my little <laughs> yeah. Hogan RV. Uh, um, polo shirt, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's been been awesome to to see that when a lot of people are too prideful to even like some people. Like I invite them to network. We we go to networking groups together all the time. Some people are like I don't want to go. What would I learn from them? I'm like, dude, there's a relationship. I don't. Why, why do I need to be in a relationship with? I don't care about that. I'm like, it's crazy, yeah. dude. It's nuts. Like I've learned so much from going to those groups. Oh man, it's been crazy. It's it's a big thing. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, you got. So, PC laptops, you got ZX computers. Um, I mean, obviously the company's exploding. I mean, I don't know if you can get into it, but you know, you've done a lot of multiple nine figures in in sales. Yeah, they've done really good through the years. You know, you have cyclic. We were just talking about economic cycles, right? Um, and I remember we started in '92, but I remember uh, during like Y2K, mm -hmm. like there was a big market correction around the year 2000. Right, you're talking. Uh, stocks like Amazon dropping 80%. Wow. And Microsoft, you know, Microsoft took a 65% adjustment like in a month or a something. Billions. Yeah, crazy. That's nuts. So, you know, we survived that. And then 2008, nine economic crashed, same thing. And now we're kind of like right in something very similar to that now. So talking to a lot of younger friends right. that have businesses are like, wow, this is freaking nuts and it's scary. But that's where it's good to talk to a mentor. Right. Um, because the mentors, when I hit that first cycle in 2000, some of my mentors are like, dude, I've been through this in the 80s and the 70s. Dude, this is nothing. Dude. Right. And I'm like, this is nothing. This is freaking the scariest thing in my life. They're right. Like, well, this is how you go about it. And I'm like, okay. And it turned out okay. So survivability is a big one. For sure. You know, it's like make the adjustments you need to make. Uh, don't let your spirit get broken, you know, and just keep executing. Right. You know, and then, yeah, you, you need to sometimes sell a few Lambos and be conservative and eat ramen noodles for a while. Right. So what, you know? Right. Um, it's okay. I mean, you came to earth with nothing. You're going to leave sure. with nothing. <laughs> for sure. So it's like, might as well not beat yourself up too bad. You know? Yeah. And, and there are a lot of those guys out there, well, especially right now and the, with social media, because it's a little bit, you know, some people, I, I foresee, I guess, and I can't tell the future, but it's going to be a little bit too late before they adjust their lifestyle, before everything, you know, really, really crashes in their life because they have this persona on Instagram or whatever. They want to keep going and keep flying private and keep playing on these planes. No one wants to own their own truth of, of the reality of situations, at least publicly. And so, you know, like I was talking with a buddy that, about that the other day, and it's like, you know, we all know, you know, there's an individual that he's really, you know, in in california that he knows really well that he is going completely broke but 
looks like he's crushing it. Like he would just stop acting like that. He probably could save himself, but people have that, that pride and ego. Here, here's how you solve this though. Cause I know a lot of the people watching this own businesses and you're feeling revenue drops, right? It's just cause the economy is crappier right now. And it's a reality. Anyone who's saying, no, it's perfect. Maybe in some industries, but overall, you know, whether it's cars, computers, anything, people are feeling revenue right. uh, correction because disposable income isn't as large as when people are getting free money during the pandemic, right? Right. Um, so first thing that I recommend is one, look at your burn rate, your operating costs at home and at the office. Um, you may need to like go back to that bootstrap. Um, well, I've had to take companies where we've had during 2008-9 where we had 400 employees bring it down to like 75. Wow. Freaking hard. I mean, it's heartbreaking because yeah. you care about everybody, but survivability, right? Right. Yeah. You owe it to everybody else to keep the company going. Yeah. So, you know, you made those, I made those adjustments and instead of having, you know, 15 sports cars, whatever, I don't know, I have one, you know, right. and daily, you know, that's fine. Uh, and just cut down a lot of those expenditures, you know, you don't need vacations out of the question until you're making way in the green again, right. no vacations, none. Like I've told myself, no extravagant vacations until I hit where I want to be this number. Mm -hmm. People are like, well, how about just like escaping? The time during war is not to escape. It's to pick up your rifle and engage the enemy, right? right. So at this point, I, I think entrepreneurs need to put in that 80 hours a week, or whatever they need to do, and really just get the processes right, trim the fat. And take market share. Go mm -hmm. on that. And the most important thing is your mental and physical health and spiritual health during this, because that's what keeps you strong not to give up, right? Or jump off a cliff or something. Right. Uh, so consistently working out daily, eating clean, being strong, that's going to really give you the edge. Because a lot of guys I've seen, when things get tough, they drink a lot, mm -hmm. start popping pills, like cheating on their wife, doing all this kind of crazy stuff wrecking their life, you know? And that actually will slow you down from the outcome. And we were just talking about all these people taking all these, and I got nothing against people that want to try psychedelics or whatever they want to do. People can do whatever they want to do, but now's not the time to escape reality. Now is not the time to like go in some ayahuasca ceremony in the middle of the jungle for two months because you need to find your damn self because right. you're in the battle. Like right. now's the time of survivability. And if you can survive the little bit and your mindset gets into it, then you'll actually thrive and you'll take market share. Right. Like people will be like, gosh, that Jason guy, that Dan guy, or like five years from now, those guys are so lucky. How do they make a billion dollars? Right. Well, it's because when times got tough, we picked up a rifle and we didn't get fat, crawl in a hole and take right. drugs, you know? Right. We like got our minds clear, communicate with our families what we needed to do to, you know, get permission from your wife that is, is, is it okay, honey, that I do this? Right. And like my wife just said, do what you need to do, you know, and I'll support you. Right. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. No, and, and I love that. Like that, that spousal support is so important. And, but you're right there. I mean, right now, like fight, like it's too late to find yourself, right? Like you're like right now, <laughs> like Pete, you're in, like you've left home, like, you know, the military, you've left home base, you're on the convoy, you're in battle right now. Like it. Bullets are zinging bullets by your are, head. Yeah. And, and you have to, you know, you have to either, you can either lay in a little hole and try to survive, which, you know, I don't know, or you can try to fight the, fight the way out of it. And like with us in our company, like right now, the, the RV industry is just ass. Like it is yeah. horrible, right? Like it is crashing and burning at a rate. Like it's just insane. Like I don't, 
I don't know of anybody making any money right now in the RV industry from the manufacturers to anybody. Um, even banks are calling us saying that they're struggling because we're not sending any business their way because interest rates gotten so high. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out, you know, unique ways of, you know, figuring out theirs too. But at the end of the day, they're, they're held by the fire to the Fed. So they got to figure out how to, you know, be profitable on their end too. So it's affecting everybody. Everybody. Um, which, you know, as you know, another story, which, you know, a lot of people think it's the bank's problem. It's not, you know, they're trying to figure out how to pay their bills as well. A lot of banks go out of business. We saw a lot of banks go out of business in 08. Um, but hmm. like, you know, right now, it's you just got a battle and like i'm i'm facing you know a situation where i probably got to go up to my organ stores and basically live there until because we're selling them until we sell them because you know unfortunately i feel like a lot of people have given up and i've had a lot of people walk out and do all these things and like it's just freaking but hey my mom always used to say if it is to be it's up to me we gotta make it happen right so i gotta go up there make it happen start selling some trailers do everything i possibly can to because i have a number i have to hit or else it's not going to be a good situation because I'll be upside down in the sale. And so, you know, yeah, we're selling them, but it isn't going to cover everything, right? I have to make a little bit of money between now and the sale. And so, but I got to do it, right? And the whole team, like my whole team is like, yeah, we have to do something. Think, think about this though. Like some of the people we respect the most in the business industry, um, Steve Jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Apple. Yep. And also Elon Musk. Both those men, like Steve Jobs was literally for Apple, a payroll away almost from bankruptcy. Really? But he borrowed yeah, like 120 yeah. million from Bill Gates. Right. And then it ended up working out, even though they're frenemies, you know? Mm -hmm. Elon Musk too, right? Like almost like so close to just not making Tesla work, right? Right. And then you had to go sleep on the showroom floor and do all this stuff, you know? Um, but that story is, that survivability story is just very common right. for ultra successful people. Right. So I think, Virtually anyone can be mentored by the, the example of those people, right? Of what they need to do. Well, have you ever, ever read the book Good to Great? Yeah, yeah. So, in almost every story of a company going from good to great, they all went through either a bankruptcy or a massive correction, yeah. a massive something, right? But it's the way you learn and crawl out of it is is how you go from good to great. Because at the end of the day, like me, like I don't know what I don't know, right? Like COVID's been the greatest time of my life. You know, when we were making a lot of money. Um, I'm being told that, you know, by, you know, someone in my finance team that I'm good and I can go do all these things. And we spent a lot of money going buying dealerships in hindsight. No, we never should have spent that money because, you know, now my CFO is like, look, you got to look way further ahead. And, um, he, he's been a big real estate CFO for multi, you know, a big company. And he's like, we could have, I could have told you this was coming and we could have put all the money in the bank and done these things and made sure we were good in cash flow and this and that and the other. And I'm like, man, I just. I didn't realize how dumb it was for me not to have an actual legitimate like CFO that understands money and operations, but just kind of getting over my ski tips a little bit and just thinking that, you know, I, I haven't been through a correction. So I don't know what it feels like. A lot of guys, you know, I mean, how many of our friends opened restaurants during something like a ton and, and now they're closing, right? Like tons of them are closing. Right. Like, and all the investor money gone. Right. Right. Like, right. Just cause I mean, when the wind's blowing, in your sales, like it's pretty hard not to make your boat go fast. Right. But the problem is when the wind stops or goes in the other direction, right. You got to swim upstream, you know, that that's, that's guile. Yeah. <laughs> that's grit. Can you, can you survive that? Yeah. So one thing I want to ask, and I guess this is a, like a selfish question, you know, like a question that I want to ask you is when you're going through times like this and you're having to deal with, you know, employees, and you know belief and do i have a job 
are we doing all like you know everything that would race through an employee's mind um or you have to lay them off like what is some big advice that you have for that because that's what i'm doing with an organ right now is i i'm having no belief like no and and, and they're being sold to the largest company in the world a seven or nine and a half billion dollar company and like one of the greatest companies in the world and they're just de defeated and I'm trying to call them up, pump them up, but now I feel like I'm gonna have to go beat boots on the ground. When you just say, guys, this is a pretty cool thing. Um, this company is not gonna keep every employee probably here, but the ones that are the shining stars, you'll probably end up getting, you may not even work for this dealership here. You may get put to their corporate and as, as an executive vice president and make five times more than you make now. Right. So you better damn shine right now because now's your chance to get spotlighted by someone with the big deep pockets, much deeper than mine. Right. So it's up to you, man. Are you with me? Because I will put in a good word for you if you do your best. Right. Do absolutely your best and shine. And those, you'll have a handful of guys shine like that. And then if an acquisition happens or a merger or something, then you say, hey, these are the key. When they buy, they buy a lot of the people in the process, right? This guy, this girl, necessary, necessary, necessary. Those people, eh. Right. You know, and you know who those people are. Right. 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 And then they may work there, not forever, or maybe they will. And you'll have your bag, right? And then you'll be doing new projects. And if they treated you well during those leaner times and did their best, you're like, dude, hey, why don't you partner up with me over in this crazy new real estate project or whatever it is, you know? Right. Life is long, man. Like yeah. people need to shine. And that's how like my core team, some of most of the top core team has been for more than a decade. You know, they see bad years and good years, but their courage level is equally the same in their buy-in. And I don't have to try to sell them that much because they know when things are good, they're like, why the heck does that guy or girl get paid that much? Right. Well, things are good. And right. when things are crappy, they're willing to, you know, make a little less and <laughs> work extra hard. <laughs> so right. you, you can just see who your loyalists are. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's good advice. Do you... Have you ever had to try to change somebody's pay during um, like times like these? If you or, change their pay at all, there's like a 90% chance they'll quit. Okay. If you fudge with their pay, because they're going to get like spousal pushback. Oh my gosh, inflation's high. How, we're barely making it. How can we, you know? Right. Unless depending on the competitive employment market. Now, if there's not a lot of stuff like in tech business, I don't have a lot of people leaving. Because tech, most companies like Facebook and everyone are laying people off. Right. So they're like, why would I leave a six-figure-plus job that I've been here for 10 years and have benefits and good PTO and vacation right. time? Why would I, you know, some people are going to leave, you know, but it's okay. You'll like the next person better. For sure. And yeah, they, it doesn't and matter. Like, I've always found that there's always people to, to replace, right? I mean, or you can find other people or find people to, to do that. Um, how has your experience been with laying people off? Um, usually not. I mean, it's hard right. because, you know, you care about people. Right. If you have to lay off people who really don't give a crap, it's not even an emotional issue for me. It's like, okay, they don't care. Okay. It's probably best. But if it's somebody that like really cares and you just truly have to downsize out, that's tough. And a lot of times I'll give a little bit, as much severance as I can. References to friends that would maybe hire them, you know, set them up with a job, you know. Right. Um, that's a tough one. But if they're a good person, if they can sell or do accounting or marketing or inventory control or logistics, 
or repair or whatever like that. There's, there's somebody you can find them a job. Right. Oh, for sure. Do you ever keep people that maybe necessarily like shouldn't be there, but you just need to fill a, fill a spot or do you usually just get rid of them and fill the spot as fast as you can? I argue with some of my leaders about that. I don't like the warm body syndrome. Right. I'm just like, like we had this property maintenance dude and he was a nice guy, but he was like, okay. And then uh, he quit. And like, suddenly we didn't have anybody maintenancing like a big guy in charge of like all this property. Right. And our HR director has system processes down pretty well. And I'm like, Hey, HR director guy. Um, do you think you can handle some of this? It's just, you don't do any repairs. You have just a list of contractors. You could just call when there's a problem. Right. Right. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. He didn't even ask for more money. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. Dude. I'll help out the company. So he did it. And then I, just took like 20% of the other guy's pay and gave it as a raise in 90 days. And be like, okay, you just get that now. Wow. And he's actually yeah. 10 times better. Really? Because he volunteered. Right. You know, and he's like, he goes, I love this, man. Wow. That's but cool. think about it, if you're already getting paid this and suddenly your pay gets bumped 10, 20% yeah. or something. Then. It's a pretty big deal. And it saves me 80%. And the guy's better than the guy. Right. So save 80%. That guy makes more money. Everybody wins. Right? For sure. No, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're got some things cooking that we're working on as well to do some adjustments because we got some people that just, just are not cutting it out. They're either all. making you money or not. Oh, they're losing us a lot of money. If you have anyone that's losing you money, goodbye. Yeah. And as long as it's, it's like a one time, it's like a personal issue or something like that, then work with them if they've been loyal to you. Right. But if they're like chronically negative and they're just like sucking payroll and emotions out of your team it's time to say goodbye. yeah no it's 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 all the above and they're just in their their job they're not good at it but it's always been like always need a body to do it. we need a body to do it. and i'm like no there's no. you can't use that uh there's two words that we don't allow is you know uh, we need a body right. the second one is i'm frustrated none of my executives are allowed to say they're frustrated because frustrated is taking your hands off the damn steering wheel right when you're losing control put your hands on the wheel white knuckle it and steer the damn damn ship right yeah, let's get into that. How, <laughs> yes. how are you like, you know, what are you, how are you coaching like your leaders during this point? Because there's a big difference between like leadership and, you know, I guess, you know, more frontline production because they are the ones that are actually doing, you know, a lot of the coaching, a lot of the pumping up, a lot of the different things. Like I know, I know, you know, probably, you know, you are, you know, whoever it, it is, is involved, but, and like, that's where one thing that I feel like, you know, during this whole organ, organ situation is a lot of my leadership surprised me how bad. It, they are they just show their real character under pressure so you have those leaders that express good traits under pressure right those are the guys you should actually pay some more money to right like if you have if i have 10 managers and i got like three of them just totally negative you know and let's say i got three of them that are just totally positive and the rest are they're okay you know well i'll just get rid of those three crappy ones and probably two or three of the mediocre ones though and then take maybe 10, 20% of what I was paying them and give them to the top people. Right. Because think about this. Your top producers, my top producer, like one of my executives, can produce the same as 10, 11 mediocre salespeople. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's like, why not just give them some more money? It's freaking great. Right. So ROIs are like, pay the guy three, 400 grand a year. Guy makes you 2 million extra. It's insane. Yeah. It's like, for sure. It's fair. Yeah. And the guy's not greedy because he knows if he go work somewhere else, maybe he's going to make 270, but I'm paying him 400. He's like, well, Dan's way overpaying me because I'm like, that's because this is like Shark Tank, man. And I'm investing in you as an entrepreneur. Right. Because he's 
Like some of my executives are so good. I would work for them. Right. That's the kind of people you want. Because yeah. the problem is you get this, you want, sometimes you can hire underlings that suck so bad. They're like, they would run away from the battle if you didn't constantly do the William Wallace battle cry. Right. You got to find guys with a nuclear power plant that are so good. They could be your competitor. Right. No, that's good. That's really good advice. Right. But you I just like pay that. them so good that they're like, there's no way I would want to go somewhere else. Cause man, Jason's got some skills that I just don't have. And I need that. Right. So in a sense you work for them. Right. Right. No, that I, I, I like that. How, how have you, you know, is it you directly coaching or is it you just finding these really good quality leaders with that nuclear power plant? They're always, leaders are usually working at big companies like NVIDIA, Microsoft, and our industry and that. And I just poach them from there. But I just say this. Do you like working for this big corporation? Do you feel like you make a difference? And the answer for most of them is no. I feel like I'm employing 97,402. And the next layoff round, I could be cut. So I really don't matter because a robot will fire me. Right. I, want, I get an email maybe, right? And I'm like, wow. And really, most of them feel like they don't make an impact. Right. So I just say, dude, you have my number, dude. If you're ever not happy, just call me. Maybe we can work out something. And sometimes it takes me a year or two to recruit, but you know, two, three years later, dude, I hate my boss. He's horrible. I'm like, why? What do he do to you? Do me under the bus, cut my pay. You know, and I, you know, he said he was going to keep me, but like he cut my team. I'm like, oh, well, I can't pay you as much as they're paying you now, but um, you know how I operate. Right. And then, Usually they'll say, when can I start? Nice. And then you've earned a loyalist. A decade, they'll be with you a decade or two. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's been, you know, a long, you know, quote unquote courtship, right? I mean, then that trust is that bond's been made. On your phone, you should, I have like four or 500 executives in line. Even, really? in the, even when I'm not hiring up, they're my friends. And I will work with them one day with something, you know? It's just right. if I could afford them. Right. Like some of these guys, you know, like, I couldn't afford $250,000, $200,000 base, you know, but, but here's a, but now it's time. I'm like, dude, I can get you that now if you want. Really, dude? Still less than I make here, but I'm coming over. Okay. Good. Right. That's awesome. The time will be there. Yeah. No, active recruiting, I think, is so important. I, I was uh, always recruit. Yeah. And I, I was talking to a guy, oh, man, he's with one of the really big um, car groups here in, in uh, Utah. And he was like, hey, like he was one of the top, top guys. Like he was, you know, his family owns it. And he was at a Smith's um, grocery store about 11 o'clock at night. And there was a younger, younger guy there. And, you know, like just great attitude, super happy, busting his butt. He was, a, he was checking people out, right, you know, at the, at the counter. And he's like staring at this person, like, man, this person is awesome. Like, mm -hmm. and so he sat there and offered him a job right there. Um, you know, I was kind of talking. He's like, I don't, I don't even know what I would, what you would do, but I'll find somewhere for you. Like, I need you in, in our company. And this was years ago. And now he's one of the executives of the company and still under 30 years old. I'm on that list for a lot of my friends that make way more and have built businesses way bigger than mine. Um, I had one of my friends, he was on my podcast. I won't mention his name, but he said, Dan, you are going to work with me one day, you know, and, and as a partner. And I'm like, I don't want him, man. I got all these other deals. And he's like, right. he's like, you will, dude. Trust me, you know, and when I've had tough years, like where I've lost millions of dollars in a year, like, mm -hmm. you know, during economic, like, dude, come on, man, I'll give you, I don't know, a million base plus bonus, you'll make two, three million. And I'm like, no, I'm going to stick it out. He goes, okay, well, if it doesn't work out, 
here, bro. Right. And it's nice to know you've got a list of friends that would want you to run their sub orgs because they have so many companies too. Right. And, and it's funny because this friend is a friend who uh, made $30 million at age 30 and then got scammed and lost it all. Wow. And I gave him, I gave him 10 grand, uh, like help get him going again. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up selling his company for like 2.7 billion. Wow. So it's like ebb and flows, but relationships are everything. Yeah. That's all the, I mean, at the end of the, like at the end of the day, that's all, that's all like, it's, it's crazy when you have friends tell you, Hey dude, if you ever just need a million dollars, a wire, you don't have to pay back. You ever in a hole? Yeah. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, they're like, yeah, dude, whatever you've done it. I mean, things for me, it's fine. Whatever. That's awesome. That relationship level is critical because those are people you want to partner up with later. Right. Because I'm in computers and, 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 and running a hedge fund now. Right. Right. And you never know where life's going to take you. It may end up that I'm even more like real estate weighted than tech weighted. Life is just. Yeah. It's just ebb and flows all the time. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, like we didn't even talk about real estate. You need to do a ton of stuff in real estate and you got the ugly unicorn crypto fund. And real estate has, has saved me through every recession. Really? Well, because the cash flows, right? Right. So I was talking to a couple of these guys that were my podcast, and, and most of them cash flow one to 20 million a year just from profits from real estate after paying debt service. Jeez. And they're like, that is ultimate peace of mind. Because even if like your company makes zero, burns a neg- million in the red. And you've got a million coming in from real estate. At least you're like breaking your right. survivability, right? Right. You keep the lights on, even though you're eating ramen noodles. Keep right. your employees paid, you know? Right. Um, so ultimately speaking, I, I recommend to a lot of guys and girls that they take some of their fast earned wealth, whether it's in RVs or computers, off some of that and buy some boring rentals. Yeah. What's, what's your ratio? You talk, I've been in a lot of your talks since all over your social media, and I love your ratio. What's your ratio for investments? Uh, 40, 40, 10, 10. So 40% uh, will be boring stuff like real estate. Um, it's actually, real estate's not like 70. Really? So ratio's gone up, yeah. So does, it, does that ratio kind of ebb and flow with the market and like the economy? Or is that just what you're finding is a better? Well, yeah, because if my stock holdings are down 30, 40% and my crypto holdings are down 40, 50%, then my real estate doesn't tend to tank that much. Right. It just continues to stay good. So now it's like 70%, but it might've been 40% a few years right. ago when everything else is high line, you know? Right. Um, and then there's this, so 40, 40, 10 is 40% conservative stuff, uh, stuff you can turn to cash fairly quick. So real estate, gold, boring, you know, guns, just stuff that's easy. to right. 40% will be like businesses and more aggressive tech stocks. And then 10% will be like crypto, just like crazy risky, but huge upside if it break up. Right. And then 10% is for wasteful spending. It's just like having fun buying Lambos and stuff. I've reduced though that 10% right now for stupid stuff. So in the last year and a half to virtually zero. Really? I mean, I still have like Lambos and I'm like buying a bunch now. Right. You got it. Okay, fine. And it's paid for fine. Right. It's something you could turn to cash, sell your ship or whatever. Right. And that's okay. I don't, I, I don't think you can go pure martyr and like, it's just like going pure keto or something forever. That's pretty hard. Right. You know, you, you gotta, have, you gotta have a little fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, but like we talked about earlier, like right now is kind of 
not the time. Like it's just, not, it's bad timing for a lot of people. Are, are you really, like, let's say you drop 20 grand to take your family to Disneyland. I mean, that's about what it is. If you have a whole family, for fly, sure. good food, 20 grand, 25 yeah. grand, maybe. Right. Right. Could you feel good spending 25 grand in the red though? When you know, like some of your projects are burning in the red. No. Could you actually even enjoy that meal? No. Or would you be having major anxiety looking at the, I hope the kids are happy. Oh my gosh. Like it's on fire at the office. Yeah. Like that's not the time that actually pisses your spouse off and your kids where they can feel that energy. Right. They'd rather see dad working hard. You bringing the kids to work and show them how you're fixing things and making it better. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you could set a goal. Hey, if I do profit this month by this much, take this. Person. Right. No, it's so true. And like, you know, my wife, Never to death, but she does like like to travel. She already booked a Disneyland trip for the day, so we're having a baby in September, and our so six weeks because we don't we think she'll be early, but her due date September fifteenth. Um, she booked a freaking Disney trip six weeks to the day of September fifteenth. I'm like looking at her, I'm like why like with everything going on That's that okay. I have going you know, on, you know like, you need to do then execute harder yeah so I'm like by October first because I think we're going like the middle of October. I was like, I need to, I need to have answers. Like, I need to know what's going on, um, you know, and and what kind of what we're doing. And I got some deals flowing. I got some offboarding of some dealerships. I got like some things that are in the works. I need to know like what the future is going to look like. The problem right now, I think, with a lot of people, and you you probably have a lot to speak on this, is a lot of people don't know what the future looks like. And when you don't know, you tend to slow down, right? Like, and kind of be a little bit more conservative. Which you got to do what you got to do, but. You know, if, if, if just if, don't slow down on selling. Right. Well, it's like slow, slow, slowing down on being um, like aggressive, you know, or doing like investing here, investing there, spending money here, spending money there. But it's like, but I'm even like slowing. Like I even question myself like, oh, like, well, do we spend money on that marketing? Do we do this? Do we do that? Like I found well, myself everyone's doing, like that. Yeah, so, but you know, so you're conserving ammo. Yeah, definitely conserving ammo right now. I mean, you have to because when you're out of ammo, like game over. It's over. But, but here's the thing. You got to give yourself the worst case scenario. Think about this. Let's say you and I went totally bankrupt, like totally like bankrupt. I'm talking all we had was our Nikes and a pair of sandals and I don't know, a hundred bucks in our wallet, right? Right. If we went totally bankrupt, someone of our personality could earn six figures in five seconds selling cars, anything. Something, yeah. Like anything. I, I could sell vitamins and it doesn't freaking matter. Right. You know, and most likely, I think just doing a test of this, because I've just, for fun, just to test my ADD, like signed up for some crazy network marketing thing that a brother-in-law had or just sold this or that though. Yeah. And I, I believe like with my own sales skill, and I believe you could do this and a lot of people out there could just, you could make that six figures plus like, Oh yeah. Probably more, maybe like half a million. Right. You know, well, see the good thing about like one thing I have been proud of that me and my wife have done is our like monthly expense right now, including like how, so I own all my cars outright. I have zero debt besides my home and my home paint, my house payment is 2,500 bucks a month. And so maybe th for $3,500 a month, me and my wife can live. I know easily. you, I can measure people's skill level just by seeing them in sales though. And 
literally, if if I own a bunch of car dealerships and I put you in charge as like a, a GM or something, you, you'd probably be a three four hundred grand guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I could make I mean, make it happen. Like, yeah. and I would have a lot of fun. Go recruit shitloads of guys and freaking yeah. train them, get them all hyped, and just move units. Yeah, and that and that and that's what I'm. That's why I'm going to Oregon because yeah. everybody's like, "Hey, we need you up here." And I'm like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> yeah. And that's where I have fun. That's where I like. We talked about earlier when people when the pressure gets on, like it's almost like, do you become a diamond or do you explode? Right? Like, do you? How are you when the pressure's on? And me, my brain gets. I just start thinking clearer. Like it's weird when I start having all these things come at me. I just keep finding a way to make it happen, and I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen. Like all. I'll just sit up all night long. I have this big whiteboard. It's like a glass whiteboard down in my office at my house. And I just write and write and write and write and write. Go over every scene. Your what weaknesses happen, though, during times of plenty. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when my weaknesses, my biggest loss is because I took my eye off the ball a little bit when I was just printing. Yep. And it was like, I, everything I touched turns to gold. Yep. That was me during COVID. I mean, I, I didn't. That's everybody, though. Yeah. Right? Oh, like, a lot of, like, our peer groups and friends and a lot of them went crazy, man. Like, oh yeah, guys were like, "Dude, I got six McLarens, bro!" Right? <laughs> oh, buying so I'm like buying this, buying twenty that. watches. Yeah. look at all these APs. I got one for every minute. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's <laughs> like, yeah, it, you know, and seeing that, and it's like, you know, we, like, we got lazy, right? Because you oh, get comfortable. Yeah. Like we could, like we could not screw anything up, um, you know, during COVID. And I was like, you know, hey, like, oh, we're gonna spend twenty thousand dollars here. Okay. I'll send this person over here. It got so crazy though that like me and like some of the guys though, like we were tipping two, three times a week a thousand dollars. I was a part of it, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, dude, right. I was I was spending a thousand of this, this server. That. I think I was spending five thousand dollars a month in tips. You just rained in out just, tips. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, but whatever. you know, that's good karma though. Right. You gave when you had a lot of plenty. That's great. You didn't right. just hoard it. You, yeah. you know, I think the universe knows that. Yeah, I mean, and like yeah, <laughs> I still try to maybe not a thousand, but sometimes like a hundred bucks here and every in yeah. now because yeah, I mean, the people are struggling. I mean, you see, you know, all over the place. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been to a few of those dinners where I'm like, I was talking to my wife. I, it's funny, we, you're talking about this because I was talking to my wife with this last week and I was like, remember how much money we gave in tips in like a three month span? And think about the money that like people we know spent, including ourselves, on just masterminds. Oh my gosh. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now a lot, of, you see a lot of masterminds and those subscriptions. I mean, I tried it for a little bit in it didn't work like you know thought it was going to be and but you I mean a lot of those are kind of getting weeded out and shrinking and a lot of a lot of adjustments correction is going on the master well here's the crazy thing have you noticed though a lot of people we know mm-hmm. have moved completely out of their core business and started a mastermind yep and that's because they're feeling the revenue pinch right and they're right. trying to generate revenue so i respect people that are able to pivot right and if if that can be something but that is the actually number one mistake that guys do. So let's say you were really good at real estate, commercial real estate, mm-hmm. or let's say you were really good at uh, selling tech or cars or whatever it is. Counterintuitively, it's like, okay, let's intuitively you'd be like, let's pivot. Like that, the revenue is tough there. So let's start this thing because you're grasping. Right. But here's the thing. If you can just trim down burn rate, and bring into survivability and then thriving in your core area that you have years and years of expertise though, that's probably the smarter move. Right. Yeah, well, then all your all the the experience is wasted, right? Like now you're learning an entirely new industry during a not a great economic time. That's gonna be pretty tough. Unless you can declare victory and run away. Right. And that means like, let's say yeah, explain that. 
Okay, so my one friend at a car dealership, Brian, awesome guy. And I used to floor all his cars for him. And overexpanded in 2008, you know, and that. And he's like, dude, I don't know what to do, right? So he ended up having all the real estate paid for and all the inventories paid for. He took a haircut of like 30% on the inventory because the market corrected. Mm -hmm. But he sold his real estate with it and he made enough for him to retire if he wanted to. Really? Um, but he ended up, he went into paralysis for like four years and then restarted another dealership. He's doing great now. That's so, awesome. So it's like declare victory and run away. He got enough to like take care of his family, recalibrate himself, get back into the business. And now he probably makes 10 times more than he did back. Right. So he kept relationships and those things, but he did declare victory and run away. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you have the opportunity to do that. It's like 20 years in the car business he had or something. And then he was suddenly out. Right. Like that's, a, that's a hard pill. To, but his yeah. wife was happier that he did declare. Well, and I'm sure that was a good couple of years, right? <laughs> you know, where they got to hang out and do whatever they wanted to do and no stress and this and that and the other. And then you come back clearer mind. Maybe you have a better idea. And like you said, he's doing better. Sometimes it's almost like you need to reset and get out of the get out of the minutia of everything and then have the clarity. And then it's like, oh, like I'm, you know, if I'm so focused on like building a house, you know, with blinders on like this, I can't see the whole house, right? Yeah. I can't see how it's going to look and imagine it. And that's where you know, visionaries like, you know, you and I, where we do our best is like when we're, you know, in creation mode, trying to figure out how to make it better. And then we do really good in bad situations because it's, a, it's creating like good out of a problem. You give me a problem, then I'm going to, I'm going to look at it and, you know, focus on that problem, but I'm going to see how I can implement and make it better. And then we're going to grow from that. And then in two or three years in the market's back and when we're good and we're at, we're just surviving and then we're good. We're going to 10x, like it's going to be a lot faster growth than what we just came through. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't learn from that. Like they don't, they want to like curl up and die or they want to do this or do that. Like when you can, like I like how you said, like declare victory and run away, yeah. but you still keep that creative mindset of like, oh, because obviously you saw a need or something with a new car dealership because that's mostly why people open up a business is to fulfill a need. And it's like, oh, I can do it differently. I can do this. Or I learned so much. So this is what this guy that. did. He, when he got out, it was all exotic sports cars like Bentleys, Lambos, Ferraris when things got dicey. Mm -hmm. When he came back in, it was just four by four trucks. Really? Used trucks. And Which he probably saw as a need. Like he he's like, it's way better because, I mean, the cost per truck is a lot less. Right. And the markup's a lot better in percentage the amount of money you need to floor versus flooring a Ferrari or right. $50,000, $60,000 truck. You know? Right. And I would imagine, like, maybe you know the numbers better, but I'd imagine that it's a little bit more, maybe more competitive with those supercars. Because if I'm going to spend two or $300,000 on a car, I'm probably going to look on eBay across America. Small California. market. Yeah. So it's a it's small market, but then maybe sm is, it, is it small margin because it's so competitive? Yeah. And you know, really, 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 really rich people used to go buy a new one. Right. Why would you even fucking, fucking want a, like a used car? Right. I mean, if you're really baller, just go buy a new one. Yeah. So you have this like weird, awkward time, I feel like, in supercars because... The cheaper ones go to, you know, that bulk of people that always wanted a Lambo, but they can only afford like a 2007 or eight. So they buy those. But then you have those, you know, two or three old year old ones that kind of just sit on the market because if you can buy that one, especially right now when people think that their supercars are worth you know, a ton of money, I'll just go buy a new one. I mean, but, but right now is a weird time because it's hard to buy a brand new one. But you can, I mean, people can it's, find it's them It's weird times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing people make hundreds of thousands of dollars buying these cars and then flipping them the next day. It's insane. The markup is strange, um, but like, for example, Lambos, um, I have one Lambo 
know, and it, it is sick. STO, but those were trading during COVID for about 150,000 over sticker. Wow. And now there may be 20 over sticker. Really? You know, but there's a new vehicle called the Mission X mm -hmm. that Porsche is coming out with. And on top of that list, but that'll be like a probably a million two sticker, but it'll sell for two million in a week. Really? So some stuff on that real high end with virtually no miles, if you can still get a rare. Right. Um, and because usually it's like some dudes from the Middle East, like some, you know, prince or something. Right. It's like, I don't care. I'll just take it. I don't care if I pay double. Right. Right. No, I mean, that, and that's a whole different world that crazy. a lot of people don't know exists or, I mean, can't even really relate. But I got a, I got a family member who does a lot of that stuff. It's insane to me. I just Car sit there and shake my head and I'm like, dude, this is wild. Crazy. But it's that, it's just that market. But I mean, he's, he's feeling it too. Like even some of the cars that he has, um, he's lost a little bit of, you know, like, you know, where he's going to make two, $300,000 on the car and now he's going to make like 50, but sounds you know, my violin's playing over here, but it's a big difference. I mean, he's, so he's got to start offloading some cars, but he's got a lot of money in cars, but some of them are pretty sick and a lot of one-on-ones in the world. So those ones will be fine, but that's the other ones that. Cars are not fun though, unless you're printing good money, right? right? Like right. they're only fun if you are making excess. Right. Otherwise, if like you're barely affording it, you know, like I remember right. when I was younger and I was kind of dumb and bought too much car payment. And even though it was a nice car, Felt sick whenever I drove it because hard just to pay. Think right. So that's my advice for for younger people out there. Anybody, like, just drive a total piece of crap and have it paid for right now. And right, you know, because anything that you invest in now is going to be worth a lot more once you come out of recession. Right. You know, dollar cost average. And that's why I mean I have one of those new Corvettes, and I'm gonna pay cash for it. Um, and I love it. I love that car. Do some donuts. Yeah, but I've been thinking about like. It's hard because it's kind of a sentimental thing, but I feel like anybody, you know, a lot of people probably listening is like, who cares about sentimental? Because, but it's like, ever since I wanted to have dealerships and all these things, and, you know, my dad's taught me so much. I always wanted to buy a car with him. So we get matching cars and we did that. So he's got a Corvette, I got a Corvette. And I was actually at lunch with him today and I was like, I think I'm going to sell the Corvette. And he like looked at me and he's like, what? And I'm like, you know, I just want to see what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And it's, it's worth about what I paid for it now. And he's like, but it's a re it's a, like, it's all these things. And I'm like, I know, but I never drive it. It's got 2,300 miles on it. It's 2001 or, or 2021. Sorry. It's 2021, 2000 miles on it. And I'm like, it is the most loaded Corvette at the time. You could buy all carbon fiber. It's sick. I, I, I took it into a couple of cars and coin events that you've thrown and I love a car, but I just never drive it. And like, I have a truck that I maybe drive once every few months. Like, and I'm sitting there looking at all this stuff. Like even my watches, like I've created a pretty cool watch collection. Um, but like I used to flip watches, so I know how much all they were worth. So I've been, I'm, I've made, I am cash positive in all my think, watches. Think about though, this though. Like I don't guys, need them. Guys that have anywhere, guys and girls that have like from a million to a hundred million are small fry people. Right. Like, like we're small fry people. And small fry people typically like sports cars a lot. Mm -hmm. Mega, ultra Jedi, billionaire mentors mm -hmm. most of them just drive a ford f-150 that's like yeah. five six years old like a lot of those, those events like Richard's dad yeah he's like all those yeah all the gray hair dudes yeah man, they're just like oh, i like my ford f-150 yeah they're not even roll like i remember one guy rolling in and saw him like you know roll into the thing parked way far away it was when it was at a uh, uh, todd's house yeah. and we took the shuttle together went all the way over there and they introduced him as one of the, the i was like wait what like this dude just rolled in, in an f-150 
And I'm like, oh, that, I'm like, that's cool. And then you have all of us hooligans over there with all of our cars. But, but it's, so it's good though, because I think the, when you're in your kind of like getting up over a hundred million, kind of zero to a hundred million stage, you're trying to grab a little more attention for marketing purposes and all these things on social media mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I guess once you graduate that level, then you don't really need any social right. media. Well, it's crazy because <laughs> once, you know, when our company started doing good and started making, you know, from like zero to three years of making good money, I was like, I have to have all this stuff, you know, how to do this and do that and like show people. Now I really, like, I'm just like, my care level is getting so low that I just, I really don't care. Like, you know, I'm going to do me and I'm going to have a good time. And like, then I'm meeting people like you and me- meeting other people that are like, we just don't care. Like if you rolled up here in a beat up Ford Explorer, like Richard's dad was rolling around in or whatever, whatever the heck he had, we would still think you The, the good. new car though of all super, of those guys though, is, is actually migrating away from the F-150 unless you're visiting real, real estate. Right. It's just Tesla. Yeah. I've noticed that too. Yeah. Like all like, and mainly for autonomous driving, safety features and it's usually older people that have yeah. achieved that level so they like all that kind of auto yeah take care of driving for you so. yeah i mean i have my i bought my tesla during covid um got a screaming deal um it's the performance one you know 2016 so it's a little bit older and i, I think i put forty thousand miles on it and i i love it's the great, car. Huh? Yeah. yeah i love the car um, i kind of want a little bit newer one because i have the dumb autopilot uh, which is no autopilot it's like the sonar back in the day um and my ride is horrible and it's just i don't know it's just they've come a long way mine maybe, was the first maybe when you sell the vet you get yourself a- yeah so i was thinking well i could sell the corvette and i could sell my truck and i could sell my tesla and still get a something nice yeah. and so i put a m- bunch of money in the bank and you know invest it now my, now my mindset buy some instead, instead of buying advice, but- right instead of buying like a like a car now i'm like how can i take that same hundred grand and double triple it the next two or three years because i've had my car since 21 and I put that $94,000 as my sticker, how much could I have made with that 94 grand by now? Probably a lot. A lot. And so I'm thinking, okay, the opportunity cost. So in my mind now, I don't know who I was talking to, but it was at one of the Cars and Coins events. And he was like, but what, what your opportunity cost? Think about your opportunity cost. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, if you go spend this much money now, how much money does that take away from? And then, but like your, your rules, like now your 10% is a little bit different, but then always having like that, knowing that 10% is only for that and that's what you play with. But then if you take your mindset off of like where I'm like, oh, I just want the car, but that really might have been 30% or 40%, right? Yeah. Now I wouldn't spend it on a car. And yeah, I'm probably not going to lose money on the car, but I didn't make anything. So technically, what was the opportunity cost, right? And I've lost money in inflation, probably 15% on that money. A lot. So probably more than that, you know? And so that's where my mindset's getting more in that investor mindset. Because that I'm a dumb dude that has a bunch of RV dealerships. That's all I know. So I'm not very familiar with real estate. I'm not very familiar with anything else. I bought some Bitcoin and a few other things on Coinbase and lost most of it. So like, I don't really know, I don't understand a lot of things. And my personality is I don't try to really do, get out of my wheelhouse. But I don't really have a lot of mentors in those specific areas that are telling me exactly what to do. So all it makes me nervous. So I just don't do it. So then I'm like, well, I'm not gonna go buy a rental house. I'm gonna go buy a car. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the day, that, that was dumb and cost me a lot of money. So. Yeah, but it's fine. You're, you you're, you're going to be fine. Now, yeah, I mean, now I'm, you're aware. Hey, man, I'm turning 30 this year. You're, I'm getting you're old. aware, dude. But I'm, I'm super aware. Like I, now I know like my mindset and these different things. Like we're, we're in a situation where we were building a house. Now we're getting out of building the house. 
um, just gotten way too expensive, all these other things. And I'm like, now how can I take that money or what we would have Bridger, spent? Bridger just went through that. He's like, dude, you're making millions of dollars now. Like, I think I'm about a Lambo, Ferrari. You know, I'm like, I go, no, dude, go buy some rentals. Yeah. He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got rentals. Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome. And I just bought, bought a, a Model S Plaid because of you. Yes. Everyone's yeah. even getting those now. Yeah. Because that's a mobile office. Yeah. No, I love it. I love yeah, my mobile, Tesla. Mobile I love office. I can control it. I came out of my office today, 100 degrees outside. Super cooled down, bent to the windows. It's great. It's awesome. Dan, another thing I want to ask you is how have you been able to successfully scale your companies through people and developing a culture? And and I've heard a lot um, about what you've been able to do and the fun things and like just creating that bond with these people, you know, earlier in this podcast. But I want to know like how, how, how did you do that? So when you hire them on, you want to make them read like uh, how to win friends and influence people and think and grow rich, right? Two right. Then you want to sit down and you want to write down their financial, physical, and spiritual goals. Have them write it down. You walk them through that of what they want. Because then, then, then they know that you are looking out for their best interest because you're interested in what they want, right? Right. And just make sure I'd say at least quarterly, maybe at most every biannually, go over those goals and see how they're moving towards those things, right? Um, that's how to big cultures because you're building it around what their wants are. Right. You're just there to help them get to what they want. Now they need to do really good at their job so that they can get there faster. Right. So you don't have to be chasing them around. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, there's another thing you can do is you can use messaging apps. I use a program called GroupMe, but Slack and a bunch of others. And for each one of your sub departments, you want to have, let's say we have repair or sales or whatever it is or by each one of our stores as a separate one, you can celebrate victories and present problems in those groups, right? So if we have a customer service issue at one location, goes up in this thing, manager and the team personally dig into it. If someone's performing well, they're recognized publicly. Right. You can even have an all company group that's moderated. Right. And you can put out like motivational quotes and every person is expected to share something different. I like that. And that builds culture because they're like, they're celebrating together. Right. We also do this group text thing with all our performance numbers. So depending how much revenue we're selling, it shows the computer generates revenue number and puts it in the text thread. Right. And, and you know, it's like crazy because we'll have sometimes like a salesperson do something crazy, like write a million dollar ticket in one day. And then we'll, his, he'll we'll like upload his picture of, that's and everyone's awesome. like hitting heart like on it you know it's right. like social media but it's like internal social media right no i, I like that a lot because it's uh you know it creates that bond and the cohesiveness through the entire company even though you got a you know a bunch of different locations all across utah and then you got your corporate building you know all these different things it creates that camaraderie between we're all together we're all one unit like we're all one company we're all here for the same reasons and, and communication and communication is huge so if you've got like a cfo and let's say you have someone who's in charge of logistics and there's a logistical problem with a uh, accounts payable. You have a group specifically called AP. Right. And all the parties that need to be involved, you don't have to like call 16 different people. Right. They can discuss it right there. It's right. The problem. I like that. We use uh, teams for the, for yeah. pretty much the exact same thing and just create like let's hop on a call, go in this group and we do it. And we have a, lead, a leaderboard that is automatically updated through a team's chat and it's on an Excel spreadsheet that has like every other dealer or every dealership and like all their salespeople rated, all the technicians rated and then we have a leaderboard. So we can all celebrate together the people that are doing really well and 
it might be make people a little bit more competitive that have been slacking. We do, we do trophies for different KPIs. So sales, repair times, customer satisfaction surveys, and they get like trophies that get passed around with gift cards stuffed in them. Really? That's cool. I really, I like that. Cause I mean, it might, you know, you don't have, you, you don't have to give them a lot, but they like something and then feeling the accomplishment right through the, and through being Public celebrated. Through their peer. Yeah. It was going to be it's being celebrated. Right. Want to know in front of their peers, they're awesome. Right. Like someone has a, you know, abnormal amount of likes on our Instagram posts. They feel amazing about it because it's public, you know, appreciation about it. So you kind of feel about the same thing. So that's cool. Dan, I really appreciate the conversation, man. You're, right. you are probably the smartest person I have ever met. Like one day I'd love to dive into your, like, in, you know, in all the things that you do, you're freaking. Insane. Just execute, man. It's nothing's original here, really. It's just. Nothing. Most things aren't original. They're just a mixture of all the conversations you've had with mentors and friends. Right. You distill it. And then, but instead of just like philosophizing on how awesome it is, like take some damn action. Right. Like not a ton of action. Just pick every day one physical, financial, and spiritual action item that's big that you're going to move the needle with and do it. Right. No, it's so true because some people, I mean, it doesn't matter how much you know, you've got to take the action to get there, right? Like it takes work, right. especially right now in today's market. When you, when you have the opportunity to go take that market share, go take the market share because he who has the most market share was going to win on the other side exponentially, right? Yeah, no. Just like, you know, what you've done in, in early 2000s and 0809 and then what I know you're going to do now. So it's, uh, it's awesome. Last thing I want to ask you is uh, how do you define success? You know, a lot of people have asked that question. It kind of varies. There's I believe our life is a lease from God, right? Right. Hundred years, maybe. So it's what we do with that time. Make the world better. Now, one way we can achieve immortality, some level of it, besides you know religious belief, teaching, helping others, right? Like with this podcast, what you're doing here, we can teach some people some stuff, and they have it. After we're dead. They probably would have told their kids about it, their friends or employees. Right. So in a sense, you gain mortality by passing knowledge. I like that. That's a very unique definition. I haven't heard of it like that. It's true, right? Like yeah. that's truly the way to be immortal. Yeah. And, and all these sayings that we say are, aren't original, but there was probably a couple thousand years ago, maybe it was Jesus or Buddha or somebody, and now we're talking about it. Right. So they're, they're living immortal no matter what you believe. Right. Mind. That's true. Yeah, that's a unique way to put unique way to think about it. I like that. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Social media, YouTube. I know you got a threads. No, yeah, on uh, Dan's <laughs> Millionaire Code on uh, Instagram with the blue check mark. Yeah, yep, that's the, blue the best place. And then Facebook, it's under Daniel Young. But just go to Instagram; it's easy. Cool. And then what's your podcast? Dan's Millionaire Code. Okay, awesome. All that's, the links are there, and that's everywhere. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, D. If you like this episode and enjoyed it, please share it. Hit up Dan, follow him. He is probably one of the smartest human beings. And the thing I love about Dan is he's always educating. His Instagram is a lot of education, uh, a lot of you know, different economic things, a lot of things going on in his Instagram. And it has actually taught me a ton of stuff. And I use it in my business every single day. So if you like this episode, share it with your friends. Give us a like, give us feedback. Hit me up on Instagram. Remember, if you ever want any coaching or consulting, um, hit me up at jason at imjasonhaugen.com or go to imjasonhaugen.com. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode of Culture Camp.